How you doing, guys? You okay? My apologies. I am still alive. Don't panic. <laughs> I know it's been a few few weeks, months since I've actually posted anything on here. But good news is there's new content coming and it's going to be a banger. It's going to be a belter for you. Hopefully some new guests coming on and fingers crossed, let's pray to the podcast gods that there's going to be some celebrities coming on. We never know. But anyway, to keep you entertained over the next couple of weeks, I've started like a little mini series. So I've been doing this for about three years now, 61 episodes in, and there's a lot of episodes that a lot of my new listeners haven't really had the chance to listen to. And it's some of my best work that I want to bring to the forefront of the show. So this is going to be called the Walk the Line Rewind. So I'm handpicking the best episodes that have been recorded over the past three years that I've been doing this. And I hope you guys like it. The first one is going back to June 2020. And it's a guy called Sam Unglo, episode 19. Now, this is a pretty... Um, pretty hard listen if you ask me it's all about sam's account of his brother who committed suicide due to the sexual abuse he was subjected to by the catholic church and how they covered it up it's a pretty graphic episode so if you're easily offended my apologies switch off now but if you want to hear a true account of something like that and you want to hear someone's experience of what happened during that sort of time Please listen. It's not to shock you this episode. It's more to highlight what is going on. So, guys, please like, share, and subscribe. I love you getting feedback. This episode got a lot of feedback before. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' opinions on this one again. And we're live. Joined by Sam. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan. Great to uh, be on with you. Thanks for having me oh, on. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one, Sam. I've been looking forward to this one. But um, obviously, you've got a lot of oh, God, great story to say. Or not a great story, but uh, a story to tell and a book to you. Obviously, you've been writing. But how's things over your neck of the woods at the minute? Are you still, are you still under lock and key? Or are you managing to get out and about? Or what's going on? Uh, we're getting out and about safely. Uh, earlier today, we just found out our kids are going to be uh, virtual for uh, the first uh, semester. So, uh, oh, really? Uh, the uh, uh, we have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, and uh, they'll be heading back to school uh, virtually. So, uh, no option to go in person. I bet. I tell you what. I bet they're loving that, though, weren't they? If they were younger, I've got a five-year-old, and she is dying to get back to school. She's dying for it. But when you get into that teenager, sort of over ten years old, you don't want to go back. You want to sit home. <laughs> I bet they're like, "Oh, I'm going to be virtually. Oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing. This I could sit and pretend to do work, but then look over my my back end and just do what I want, play Fortnite or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, um, it requires a little bit more supervision. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That is it. It's like it's uh, whenever you talk to someone who's got kids during this time, this lockdown and quarantine period, it's like um, I wasn't prepared for this. I was right. looking forward to put them to school. That's my time. When they're at school, that's our time to do what we want, but we don't get that anymore. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah, that's usually one of the best days of the year when they go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> you see parents actually celebrating. They're probably celebrating, going, oh, I'm back to school. I can get my life back. But no, no, you're going to keep it going. You're going to keep it going. So what about Saturday the minute, Sam? Are you, what about Saturday in the U.S.? Uh, say that again, Ryan? What about Saturday? 
the what area? Yeah, what area? Sorry, it's a Scottish. That's a Scottish. Yeah, Scottish, no, no, no. Sorry, that's I, I wasn't twang. sure. That's what you said. <laughs> this is the thing. It's the Scottish twang. It's like, whereabouts are you? And you're like, what? Where do I live? Uh, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Ah, Atlanta, Atlanta. Nice, yeah. nice. So it's uh, so it's finally getting back to normal. That's great. That's great. Um, so so Sam, let's get into it. Right? So I've been I've been looking forward to speaking to you because you you, you you've currently wrote a book. And this is a really, really sensitive subject about, well, um, the, the Catholic Church and obviously what's happened to previously your family and all that sort of stuff. Um, I want to go into a little bit of detail about this, because uh, sure. um, uh, if you're okay with that. Um, with the book, we'll start off in your own words sort of thing. Let's go for it from yourself. I mean, the book itself, what's it about and why did you think that it was the right time to write it? Sure. So the the book is the, the Murder of Innocence, The Truth About Sexual Abuse in the Catholic Church. Um, and it details my brother's story, um, who passed away tragically a little more than 10 years ago now. And it took me the better part of 10 years uh, to write it. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, yeah. But he was, you know, he was the classic vic victim, if you will, of child sex abuse. Um, our dad uh, passed away young. Um, at the age of 43 in 1981. Uh, we grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and a priest used that tragic event, which was tragic enough, um, five children in the family. I'm the youngest of five. My brother uh, was next uh, uh, in line after me, or the uh, second youngest. Yeah. Um, and so the priest used that uh, as an opportunity to get close to the family, groom my brother, who was about nine years old, uh, at the time, about to turn 10, uh, a few weeks after my dad passed away, and abused him, you know, graphically um, the next three and a half or four years, um, uh, you know, in those key um, adolescent, pre-pubescent years. And so, you know, I say it was the classic case of sexual abuse, because my brother was sworn into silence, shamed into silence by this this priest who gave him his first Holy Communion, um, who, you know, said he was doing this as a special relationship, that our, you know, dad would want the relationship. So, you know, extreme psychological abuse, extreme sexual abuse. Um, and, you know, my brother didn't say anything until 1994. Um, so probably about 10 years or so after the last incident of abuse. And the only reason he did at that time was the priest, uh, his name's Richard Dorsch, was in the news in Pittsburgh because another boy um, had been victimized, but brought forth a case in real time. So at right. that time, the statute of limitations was two years. So for a child sex abuse victim to bring forward something in Pennsylvania, back then you had to do so within two years. Um, so, um, you know, this was in the news, Right, some other boys came forward. You know, my mom was in disbelief because you know this 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 guy came over for you know family dinner on Sundays once or twice a month, kind of the you know classic Italian American upbringing with you know pasta dinners on Sundays, and he would come over once or twice a month for those. Um, and so you know, one morning Michael came down and um, uh, you know walked into the kitchen. I was in the the living room, which uh, was next in the kitchen, next to the kitchen, my mom's house, and um, 
know, he went into the kitchen and he was already starting to, um, you know, break up. You can hear, hear his voice cracking and he yeah. said, mom, I, I just want you to know that, um, you know, w- what those boys are saying is true because it happened to me. Um, wow. and so, you know, you, there was dead silence, you know, it seemed like an eternity, you know, maybe it was 30 seconds in reality. Um, and so they, you know, the, there wasn't a ton of talking, you know, my mom said she was sorry. Um, at the end of the discussion though, um, you know, my mom's very private. Um, she, and this is also in the book, really had her own abusive upbringing growing up in a Catholic orphanage in Italy, right. uh, the first seven years of her life. So she was, um, you know, in an abusive environment herself growing up, but you know, very private person. And she kind of said, well, you know, since, you know, kind of these other boys are coming forward, do you really think kind of it's necessary that you join that publicly? And so, you know, that ultimately led to, he never, he never joined the kind of the public spotlight or case at that time. Um, You know, in retrospect, I think that probably would have helped um, to some extent in terms of his own um, you know, uh, working mental through the topic, sort of thing, mental yeah. well-being, exactly. Uh, well said. Um, and, um, you know, so, you know, we kind of all went on about our lives. We, you know, we knew kind of, he, you know, was getting therapy and kind of working on it. Um, and, but it was, you know, it was kind of Michael's to deal with, right. Unless he kind of yeah. said something, he was taking care of it and things were okay. Well, you know, very successful guy, went to the University of Pennsylvania, one of the Ivy League schools, uh, first in our family to go to college, was a VP on Madison Avenue, um, you know, a very successful life um, uh, on the surface, but, you know, a lot of turmoil still inside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, fast forward to 2008, so now we're about uh, 14 years later from that. Um, yeah. the, the priest, by the way, was convicted a year later. Um, was that back in the 90s sort of thing after the old came back, out? Yep. Um, however, he only spent, he spent less than 20 days in jail. Um, Seriously? Yep. So this, this is the whole you know, Catholic Church and the power of lobbying. And um, yeah, so, and then, you know, he was no longer a priest, but he retired from the ministry. He, mm. he wasn't defrocked technically, so he still, um, you know, still back in 2010 and, you know, I lost track of him. He could still be alive to this day, but, you know, we're still getting retirement benefits and kind of a provided life from the Catholic church, even though he's convicted child molester. Um, that'll be important as, as we continue to talk. Um, uh, so 2008, you know, it's my brother, Michael's first suicide attempt. So I get a call, um, you know, early one Saturday morning, like 4 a.m., um, from one of his friends who found him in his bathroom, um, where my brother, you know, had, um, attempted to OD on, um, Ambien. Um, you know, he wasn't successful, which, which was good. Um, and, uh, you know, my brother, Paul and I, I was already in Atlanta, my brother, Paul in Pittsburgh, we get to New York, um, you know, as quick as we can, when we get there Saturday night, we saw him, but he was still, you know, he was still unconscious because at that point when they found him and medically the, um, 
you know, they, they couldn't pump his stomach because that, yeah. I guess, risks the, the lungs and yeah. aspirating. Too far gone sort of thing. Yeah, you have to get in, t- in quite, quite early to pump the stomach to get it out of the system sort of thing. But if it's already absorbed, it's already in the, the vital organs, isn't it? Exactly. So it, you know, it, it just had to work through his system. So the, yeah. the next morning, Sunday morning, we go back to the hospital and he comes to and you know, he was very moved by the fact that we were, you know, already there. Um, and, you know, we kind of said, you know, wh- what happened, right? Because this was, yeah. you know, this was like a shock, right? There wasn't anything leading up to this. You know, if you'd asked me the day before, you know, he was doing well. And- just just normal person, phoning up, how you getting on? Yeah, having a shit day at work sort of thing, you know what I mean? Usual sort of kind of nine to five stuff. Exactly. Um and so we said, you know, what, what happened? And he said, I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. The, wow. the, the flat, the flashbacks, right. So he would remember incidents of abuse. Shit. So he had complex PTSD. Um, and that seemed to worsen over time versus get better in terms of the intensity of the flashbacks, the disruptiveness of them. Yeah. Um, and so at that time, he finally came forward to the Archdiocese of Pittsburgh um, and the bishop at that time, um, uh, who's still the bishop today there, uh, Bishop Zubik, um, you know, he and some of his staff met with Michael, you know, within the, within a month or so. So Michael, so Michael approached them. He did. So he, he, was that, he, was that just for like help or was that just for like a kind of guidance sort of thing? Because obviously, obviously from that, from previous sort of thing, or was that just to kind of say like, this is how I'm feeling now, help me out? So great question. So really two things. One, I think mentally, I think he thought he had to do that in terms of the mental health front that he, he right. needed to speak up for himself and say that this happened to him uh, as part of, you know, some healing process. And then the second was to ask for their support in terms Fair of enough. financial support um, uh, or, you know, some uh, uh, settlement for what happened. Right. right? Yeah. So they compensation they were, sort of thing saying you fucked my life up sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So the lemon sort of term. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly right. So they always refused to pay for anything, but some sort of medical treatment um because they wanted to control the purse strings Mm. and you know they they always would reiterate they weren't technically liable for anything they were doing this out of their generosity and they weren't guilty of anything so um so you know he was still working you know um so the the plan after you know he probably took about a month off work um, yeah um but you know, went back to work, and so it was mainly outpatient um, uh, for you know about a year, and you know not you know not exorbitantly expensive um, or, or really that material, especially um, you know for the, the the Catholic Church given their their coffers. Um, so you know, about a year later, um, he. May and June always seem to be especially rough for him, April, May, June. Um, I think that's when the the very first incident of abuse started way back in 1981. Right. Um, And so he had, um, 
you know, he had a, um, another uh, traumatic episode or series of flashbacks. He threw all of his stuff out of his apartment window in New York. Wow. He was on the third floor. He, so he basically had a breakdown. Yeah, and then he, he ended up sitting on the windowsill um, in his apartment on the third floor, threatening to jump, but he, he didn't. Um, you know, the police came, got him down. So he didn't physically injure himself. But at that point, it was the trigger for this. This isn't going to be solved without patient. Yeah, it's um, not, not going to go away anytime soon, sort of thing. Right. So the request of the diocese at that time was, well, um, uh, you know, he, he needs something inpatient or residential uh, treatment of some sort. Yeah. Um, and so we found um, uh, a place in Maryland, uh, Shepherd Pratt, uh, which is a very uh, uh, well-known uh, facility uh, here in the States for dealing with victims of child sex, sexual abuse. Um, and so he, he went there um, for a few months, um, you know, an expensive place, uh, residential care, as you can imagine. Um, so they paid for it for a few months and then it became, well, you know, this is too expensive. You know, we, we can't mm -hmm. do this forever. Um, you know, you're gonna have to find something cheaper. So, okay. Now, all along, you know, because I was my brother's main advocate with the diocese after he made the initial contact. Yeah. Too, because he got tired of dealing with them, um, uh, rightfully so. So, um, um, you know, I, I always said to them, well, you continue to pay for the victim's financial or the uh, perpetrator's financial well being, yet you want to dictate some timeline for the victim to heal when you provided nothing to the victim for, you know, 24 years. Yeah. Um, and now you want to rush it along, right? Yeah, so this um, guy's still living on pension. He's still getting subsidized from the, the, the church and all that sort of stuff. He's still getting financially compensated from his career. Exactly. And it does, yeah. So it's just like the, the stuff that he's done, they're just getting chucked to one side and just being forgotten about, which is it's, it's, it's horrible. Um, exactly. So, um, so we, we found a, a, a relatively cheaper place um, called Austin Riggs. Um, it's another um, uh, very well-respected mental health facility. It's in Western Massachusetts. Um, and so he went there um, kind of late fall of 2009, um, was there going into um, the spring of 2010. And so now, now it was getting clear that we were getting to the end of anything they would provide because it right. it started off as well. Now this place is too expensive, and then it was well, uh, you know, we, you can't. It's not that we want you to find another place. We we kind of just want to be done with this, right? Yeah. And so they sent Michael a full and final release to sign early um, April of 2010 which it's in the, the, the letter, um, as are a, a lot of communications with the Catholic Church. They're, they're very self-righteous, and um, you know, it's fascinating uh, for people to see just how self-righteous they are um, with the unedited correspondence. But the, the full and final release was, hey, 
we'll give you this last $75,000 if you sign this release. And even if the laws ever change where you could come back um, and sue us, you waive all rights. So, so, so it's basically uh, like, can I hush you up just to kind of keep you quiet? Here's, here's some money, go away sort of thing, you know? That's correct. Um, Fucking hell. And now this, this was sent to an individual, you know, my brother, in a full-time mental health care facility that they're paying for. So it's, it's just so, you know, hypocritical, ironic, you know, mm. um, you know, fucked up really, um, that, you know, they did this. And the doctor who was overseeing his care, who they were paying, right, they're paying for that care, tells them not to do this, that he's really not of a state of mind that yeah. they should be adding the stressor to the situation, right? Um, and he obviously so, must have knew that as well. That's why they did it. I, you know, th I think they knew what they were doing, right? Yeah. The, I mean, they, they knew he was in a, you know, desperate spot. And so they were trying to force closure. Um, you know, they wanted me to sign the letter too, just in case if someone says he you wasn't got, mentally, yeah. you know, You got competent. some backup there just in case sort of thing, yeah. So um, we refused to sign it. Um, I mean, I, I probably would have signed it if Michael wanted me to, but um, he didn't want to. And, um, you know, I, I supported them. And, yeah. um, um, but, you know, they, they kept their uh, hand on the trigger, uh, so to speak, and they would not relent. So all the way up until early May, which is basically when funding was going to run out unless we signed this full and final release, um, uh, you know, they just kept at it, kept pressing, and um, Michael died on uh, May 4th of 2010. So um, he committed suicide um, overnight. Um, he was found the following morning, and I was at work. I got a call, and um, you know, the person on the phone said, um, I already didn't have a good feeling because I could see the area code. Uh, yeah, as soon as that ID. came up, that you knew it was for you. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, the, I answered the phone and, you know, that person was already crying and said, you know, Michael's gone. And I immediately knew what, what that meant. Um, uh, and so, you know, just a very, you know, traumatic experience. Michael was, you know, um, we were cl closest growing up. Uh, you know, yeah. the two, two youngest, um, you know, my best friend, my best man in my wedding. Um, and so it was, you know, it was very difficult, um, you know, to go through all of this. And so the, you know, the book is not only his story, but it's also, you know, it's the correspondence with the church. It's my own processing, you know, of all of this, because uh, mm. I had to do a, a good deal of mental health work myself to be able course, to... Yeah you know, process all this, navigate it, you know, turn around and actually, you know, be able to, to write about it and tell the story. So when you, so, so we'll go back to, I don't want to go, go back to the original part of when obviously Michael came out and said, and when it was all over the news about this priest and all that sort of stuff. And uh, he mentioned it. What was the feeling within the family then? I mean, you, you had quite, you said you were, one of five sort of things. So it's quite a big family. What was the feeling then? Was it like kind of anger or was it confusion or? So, um, you know, so a big family and, um, you know, some of this is in the book as well. So it, 
we all processed it differently at that time. You know, we all processed his death differently, kind of the, the two year battle with the church differently. Um, so, you know, I would say my mom was, um, you know, overwhelmed, shocked, you know, maybe in denial um, or not wanting to think it was as bad as it was. Um, uh, and so, you know, she loves us all very supportive, but I think emotionally it was very difficult for her to go there or get too close to it in some ways, meaning in terms of asking him too many questions, because it brought back, you know, her own um, yeah. uh, abuse as a child growing up in a, a very strict abusive Catholic orphanage where they would turn the lights out on them during the day to, you wow. know, get them to quiet down. Um, you know, one of her punishments in the orphanage that she remembers is they cut off her ponytails for something that she did. Um, you know, just, you know, just walk up to someone, cut off their ponytails. Um, uh, and so she, she had the fear of the church, right? I mean, that's, that's Mm -hmm. what they bank on, right? Is kind of, they're all powerful. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so she, you know, she was to a large extent trapped in, um, I think that dynamic, um, you know, my sister, Anna, uh, you know, very outspoken individual was supportive. Um, you know, probably, you know, at that time talked to Michael the most cause she was, um, you know, she's the oldest, she's nine years older than I am. Right. Um, so, you know, Michael would have been 23. Um, I was 19, um, at that time. Uh, so I think she engaged more in terms of, you know, trying to understand, what happened and how bad it really was. Um, Paul, uh, um, our oldest brother, uh, who's eight years older than I am, um, he, um, and this is part of the book as well, um, uh, he actually, um, yeah, uh, I think he was in shock, but then also dealing with his own abuse or attempted abuse. So Dorsch, um, even before our dad died, um, there was an incident at the rectory where Dorsch told Paul that, you know, he had to study for an altar boy test and w- wanted Paul to sit on his lap. And yeah, that's Dorsch is the priest, was it? Dorsch is the priest, yep. yeah. And uh, Dorsch forced him to sit on his lap. Um, Dorsch had an erection at that time. And it probably would have proceeded to something else, but the pastor walked in on it and stopped it um, and told Paul, you, you don't have to sit on anyone's lap to take an altar boy test. And so I think because the priest was caught with Paul, he didn't really try anything with Paul again. Yeah. Um, and then Paul went home and told, you know, our, uh, our parents what happened, um, you know, my mom kind of suggested that maybe he misinterpreted it. You know, my, my dad said, stay the hell away from the guy. Um, but so neither one of them at the time though, then went to the church and said, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Didn't confront them. Do you think that was through the fear of what the church is representing at the time? Because it was such a large influence in the community. If you go against a church, you're just basically going to get shunned, aren't you? That's exactly right. So there's that fear. And then you also have the, the pastor, 
at the church who sees this. Yes, great, he stopped it, but doesn't do anything further, right? There's no reprimand, doesn't report him, right? Um, Or if he did, nothing was done, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And this this priest, Richard Dorsch in particular, was one of the, the ones who was, you know, whenever enough people learned about it, he was moved, right? So he went to another right. part of town 10 or 15 miles away. Then they figured it out in three or four right. years. Then he moved again. Wow. So um, how, many, how many places did this guy actually go to then? Um, in terms of places, I, I would guess he was a four or five parishes at least wow. in his career. Because normally, normally you see like, like kind of like priests, they, they, they stay in one place, don't they? Because they build that community up and they stay there for the majority of the career. Well, the, the pastors tend to stay a little longer. The, so this guy was an assistant pastor. And at that time they had right. five, year, five year kind of rotations unless it got interrupted yeah. for some okay. reason. Okay. Um, but it's, I mean, in terms of the number of victims, it's estimated that, he abused at least 200 boys oh, holy um, shit. throughout the, the Pittsburgh area because he, he became a priest in, I believe, the early 1970s and wasn't caught for 20, you know, 20 God some knows. years. Yeah, so it's just an approximation of how, like, you don't know how many and, and unless they actually come forward. It's just a, right. a, an estimate sort of thing, you know. It could be more. Exactly. You know? That's it. Jesus Christ, this is... It just shocks me. It's such a shock to like, can I hear that? That someone who used the, the trust and their power to do something like that is absolutely disgusting. When, it, when, you, when you find out, how were you feeling during this time? You know what I mean? Because come on, I don't want to feel like Neanderthalish about this because if something happened to like my family, I'd be like, right, I'm going down there to knock seven bells of shit at this guy. I want to see this guy pay for what he's done. You know what I mean? Did you ever go through that sort of anger and kind of like hate? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I had a ton of anger and, um, you know, I, I still do in many ways and um, you know, I'm probably better today in terms of managing it and processing yeah. it. Um, but, you know, at the time, you know, I would say two different stages to that because um, you had asked me kind of the, when Michael first said something in 1994. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was probably confused at that time, meaning, you know, Doris had never tried anything directly with me. However, um, there was a a brother, um, I went to a a Christian Brothers high school, um, and so there was a brother at our high school, Brother Clement, who was the guidance counselor, who, you know, one day, um, you know, I was probably 17 at the time. So this would have right. already ha- happened to me. So that was kind of in the back of my head. But, um, you know, I had stayed after school, which I normally would because my mom would pick me up. Um, I would be in the uh, counseling center. Um, and I happened to, you know, kind of be the last kid there the one day uh, for I don't know, 20 minutes or whatever. And he had come into the counseling center and walks up behind me. And, you know, you know, he had a uh, erection and he kind of leans into my back and, you know, I mean, I'm kind of frozen, like, what the hell is this? Um, And, you know, I mean, it was maybe 45 seconds or something and, you know, kind of frozen. And then he, I guess, realized like, 
yeah, I shouldn't pursue this. So he kind of just went into his office and that was, that was it. Right. Yeah. But I never told anyone, right. I mean, I write about this in the book. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I never told anyone when it happened. Um, and yeah, so it's like, what, what are you going to do? Right. I mean, this is the guy, you need his letter of recommendation for colleges. Um, you know, kind of that, okay, so you're going to go against this guy. Right. So they, they know what they're, doing right the, the yeah. perpetrators yeah. the pedophiles um and then you know dorsch the you know the the priest who abused my brother um you know he was you know and this is one of the difficult things that i you know just had to accept and process over time was there were positive aspects to him right so he would you know to me right absent knowing what he did to my brother right i yeah i thought he was a good guy, right? A priest. He, yeah. you know, helped people, us, did the usual sort of stuff and be part of the places. community, do that, can I help people out and what they want to do and come in for dinner, be part of the community, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right. You looked up to, looked up to, of course you did. Right. I took, took us to the ice capades, right. Um, uh, but he was doing that for his own twisted desires, right. Yeah. Which was, he would do things with the family. He would do things with the boys. He would never actually, my sisters in retrospect will said, you know, he was really never that interested in us. And then, you know, then he would single out Michael. He would want to take Michael to the park or Michael here. Um, and, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, I guess. Grooming him to be I, quite honest with you, in a, 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 a normal term, that is basically old school grooming. He was just basically grooming the guys. Oh, classic. Yeah. Classic. Knows exact, exactly what he was doing. Um, uh and yeah, the, if there's one thing that people can do to prevent abuse, it's to prevent any one-on-one -on -one contact yeah. with yeah. their children, right? It's just the red flag, right? Um, you know, it's just, it makes no sense. Why does some adult, mm. you know, even if it's a trusted person, right? Because the statistics show that the majority of cases, so the, people. Yeah. Yeah, the victims know they're abusers, right? It's That's not, sad. it's not the stranger danger down the street. It's the you know, the person who gets close to the family is trusted and then kind of weaves his way in and then, you know. That's it, they, and then it's, there's the business. You know I mean? It's quite, this is obviously the early 90s and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's more common, oh, I don't say it's more common, it's more known about now. I mean, we've yes. got a lot of things and, that, and it's such a, it's so horrible that this happened back then. I think that it's horrible. We, at least we know more now, as you mentioned before, we now know about all this sort of stuff. And it just, it, it pains me to say that back then in the 90s, when we were younger, we didn't know much about that. You know, we used to just kind of just take it. We, we didn't, it wasn't a big thing back then. It wasn't like a widely known thing that it is now, you know? Right. And, and I think that, I think people didn't know much about it. They didn't know how to react to it. And you think that was sort of like the confusion that was happening going on. Cause it's nothing that's really kind of talked about. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's 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 just a it's it's a crazy crazy sort of thing. So, so when so when the the, the, the this came through, this guy um, decides to cannot he or doesn't decide he gets found out. He gets sent up. Mm -hmm. He said yep. he only he said was he he spent twenty days in jail. Um, uh, see if I can find it in the exact number of days. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, it was like nineteen days or something like that. It was Jeez, it was, it was fewer than. Fewer than twenty days, and so he was sentenced I, 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 how many, to much how many, longer than that. 
how many kids did he actually did come forward? Did he actually was like, can I, like, he get found to abuse? The, the group that came forward to support the one kid who was able to um, file case, because the others, the, there were six others. Six. But, but they were outside the statute of limitations. Um, so, but it's, it still happened. It still happened, sort of thing. So any normal judge would turn around and any judge has got a freaking heart would take that into consideration to be quite honest with this guy's a predator and he's not going to stop exactly um uh, i'm just seeing if uh i can find it quickly i I forgot the exact number of days but uh um, do you you think the 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 reason why the lack of days that he went in do you think that was the 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 church's influence that got put into that um well, no, so the, he was sentenced to 11 and a, 11 and a half to 23 months. Oh, and, then, and then the church, you know, I guess argued with the parole board or whatever that because he was a priest and had done so much good in the community, because that's, you know, that was the other common defense to uh, justify uh, these horrible actions, um, uh, you know, came forward and he ended up spend serving 19 days of that uh, sentence. So he should have at least been in jail 11 and a half months. Um, and uh, yeah, he was let out early. It was 19 days. So it, it was exactly 19 days. 19 was, days. Sure. He should have bloody done 19 days. I don't fucking 19 years more than anything else. Just spent his exactly. last days there, you know? Do you know think when it comes to stuff like that and you look back at it, the, the, the justice system that got involved, because it just, I just, I just can't fathom it. I really can't fathom that someone who did such atrocities like that could only do 19 days. I mean, what did, what was your feelings at that point? You know what I mean? Because this obviously happened during about that sort of time. What was your feelings in there? Well, you know, at the time, totally unjust. Now, you know, fast forward to, you know, my brother, you know, dies in 2010 tragically, yeah. and you know, I have to go back to Pittsburgh, um, and I now you know, you know, read up further on all this and it's amplified so much more because, you know, my brother's gone. Um, so, I mean, I was incredibly angry then and, you know, I was in Pittsburgh a couple weeks in terms of, you know, setting up funeral arrangements and being with my family. And, you know, one afternoon, um, uh, yeah, I wanted to do something, um, to, um, you know, cause Michael was such an activist and he would go to protest and he would, you know, lead uh, demonstrations sometimes in, in college and undergrad. Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I created a flyer, um, that okay. basically was of the, you know, a couple key articles of Dorsch being a convicted child molester. And we were able to find out where he lived. And wow. so, because um, uh, it was the, the last time I tried to check, he, they seem to have done a good job of hiding him away now. So he's probably at one of their, you know, seminaries yeah. or retreats um, where he's, but he was living in an apartment in Greensburg, uh, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, Paul and I drove there. Paul drove, I was in the passenger seat. You know, so I mean, I probably have a hundred flyers and I go, kind of up and down the street, either side of his house, putting these in people's doors, um, you know, ran into a handful of people live and said, you know, 
just want keep, you to know keep an eye a child molester who um because uh, he he also however it worked out and the timing and the laws he was never listed you could find him on bishopaccountability.org but he wasn't listed on like the official child um sex offender registry oh, um, so had that as well right so hide that as well right so he has a chance to abuse other kids so but so you know we do all this and you know we had kind of um parked on the side of the street by dorsha's um house or kind of the the yeah. the apartment, apartment block sort of thing, yeah. yeah um and um i said well i said just wait paul i said um you know uh, and he's like, well, what are, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm just going to knock on his door because I just want to see if he's home. And I would just like to say a few words. And he said, um, you know, Paul said, he's like, no, I, I can't let you do that. He said, um, he's like, I want to do it too, but I don't know how you're going to react. And, you know, we don't need, you know, you know how this will work out if something yeah. tragic happens to him. Right. Um, you're going to have, you're going to have the backlash of like the church coming on your head. Right. So he said, get back in the car. He's like, you know, you have a family, I have a family, you know, you know, we, we did what we could at the moment, but nothing good is going to come from you knocking on his door. So I said, okay. So, but you know, when you mentioned, you know, cause some people, you know, today kind of say, well, you know, you seem kind of so calm, you know, talking about this or you can yeah. talk through all this. Aren't you, you know, aren't you angry? And it's like, well, yeah, I've been tremendously angry. Um, and, you know, I, I would still, you know, I tell people sometimes, you know, I, I would love for, you know, his sentence to be, uh, or really any pedophile sentence to be a UFC match with the, the victims, right? Or the victim's family rounds. sort of thing, you know, <laughs> five against yeah. one. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to go a few rounds with the guy, right? It's just like, <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, anger is a very, you know, real emotion, uh, still. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't, you can't be trapped by that either. Right. Cause it just, it just ends up eating away, uh, at you and, um, you know, you're not, you end up not being a very pleasant person to be around. So, uh, you have to be able to process it. That's it. That's it. You know, so she so, so wrote the book. Uh, the book mm -hmm. that's, uh, I mean, when the book, is the book come out recently? Is it uh, just, I think it's a couple of months ago, is that right? Yeah, it came out a few months ago. Um, so, you said that's obviously, um, it, it's obviously taken a long time, over 10 years. Um, was that a, to really kind of process or was that just, was it the research? Why, why the, the length of time? So, um, a, a few reasons. So, um, you know, the first couple years, you know, it was the raw motion of anger, right? So I yeah. had, you know, part one of the book, um, uh, which is the first 36 uh, pages or so, those are, you know, Michael's writing. So those were already written, right? Okay. So then it became, well, it, but Michael, you know, the whole impetus for the book was also Michael wanted to write a book and tell his story. So, right. oh, so this is initially his, his way. So you basically can uh jumped on it and said, right, I'll finish this for you, buddy. You know what I mean? I'll finish for you. Exactly. So that Fantastic. was kind of my, my commitment to him. Cause he always said, if something happened, um, you know, do this for me. So I think, right. So, you know, that kind of fell on me and I mean, I wanted to do it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it was 36 pages, which 
isn't really long enough for a, a, a book. So that's, that's, part, <laughs> yeah, that's, have you. <laughs> that's part of it. But then, you know, the, the vision I kind of always had for the book, though, um, even from the beginning was because of, you know, there's about a similar amount of pages just on, um, you know, the, uh, uh, or more actually, um, on the correspondence with the Catholic Church. So oh, really? I thought a I thought a unique aspect was for everyone, you know, rather than, hey, okay, well, this guy hates the church or whatever. It's like, no, you know what? Because we could never truly have our day in court because of statute of limitations. Part of the setup of the book is here are all the facts. Everyone else can be the jury, right? And so if someone's a Catholic today, I kind of challenge them. Well, you know, read it. It's true. You know, try to, you know, if you yeah. want to still be Catholic, great, but you should try to help change the church from within then. Um, so, you know, th that was part of it. Um, another unique aspect is because of the way in which he died. Um, you know, we, we got his medical records um, because, you know, he died in the mental health care facility. So one dynamic was, you know, could they have done something more? Um, right. Yeah, the, the real culprit here was the Catholic Church. But, of course. Um, yeah, there are medical records and excerpts of those because I want people to see the damage the child sex abuse does um, to victims, right? Yeah. The, the, the mental pain they go through um, because sometimes people will respond, well, you know, the, the church isn't like that today or, you know, is these people just want money, right? They just, they just want, they, yeah. yeah, they're just, they're just after money. It's like, well, yeah, they want compensation and they want recognition of their pain, but the, the pain is real and tremendously damaging, disruptive. Um, you know, so that's, so that's in there. And then um, there's, um, you know, my own writings, um, uh, I've run marathons, so my goal is to do a marathon in each of the 50 states. I've actually run 52 marathons to date. Wow. Um, and in conjunction with those, I do a lot of reflection because, you know, yeah. running to me is, is part therapy and um, uh, it generally, you know, will inspire some thoughts um, along the way. Um, of course. So, yeah, those were, I probably knew those were always going to be the key elements. Now, you know, I'm a finance guy, right? I'm a, a CFO that I work in finance uh, professionally. Um, and so I was a first time writer, right? So, you know, you know, probably after getting over the first, you know, two or three years and then, you know, getting to a tone of more, um, you know, more factual and doing something productive with the book versus just maybe attacking, you know, the, the church. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that must've been a bit like a bit of a, um, wow. Kind of a battle between yourself. Cause you really wanted to basically shove up these guys. Let's say I have some of this, I'm going to expose you, but then you had to go, right, hold on. Is this the right way to do it? You know what exactly. I mean? Right. So, so that might, that's have, a hell of a struggle to think about. Yeah. And you have to be balanced to be listened to. Um, True. otherwise people kind of just, yeah, you think you're just uh, someone just writing a, a crazy person trying to get back at someone, you know what I mean? And you don't want to come across like that. Right. You lose all credibility uh, at the end of the day, don't you? That's exactly right. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to, you know, I, I kind of had dreams of, you know, landing a publisher, you know, getting published. Um, I, 
you know, worked with a ghostwriter for a little bit of time who thought I needed more of a, uh, kind of a how to self help angle. Um, you know, that never got picked up. It wasn't yeah. really true to the vision anyway. And so, you know, I mean, I probably put it aside, you know, for a couple of years after I couldn't land, um, you know, a, a, a publisher or a literary agent. Why do you think nobody really wanted to publish it? Do you think that was because the subject matter? So I, I was told, you know, a few different things. One is, you know, I, I didn't have the right platform, meaning I wasn't a writer. I wasn't an expert. Um, okay. You know, I wasn't a psychiatrist. I wasn't a lawyer. Um, so, you know, and oh, you know, sorry, this is sad, but, um, yeah, you know, th there's been movies and other books on, you know, the Catholic church and sexual abuse. Um, it's a tired subject. Um, you <laughs> a tired know, subject. So, Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Some of these guys, so, man. which, which, which is sad. Um, that, that kind of expresses the sadness of it all that it's become a tired oh, subject. Um, God. how prevalent, how prevalent it, it was. And, uh, uh, you know, there's still damage um, that I'm certain is being caused. But, um, uh, but uh, you know, there was that. And then, uh, um, you know, who's your audience? I mean, who, who's really going to oh, yeah. re read this now? Um, and so, uh, you know, or it was, I was told, well, you know, this isn't the right format. Maybe you should just do like, a, I don't know, a short story PDF and put that on a website somewhere. Like, well, it's not going to do anything, though, is it? So, you know, I finally said, um, you know, um, uh, and then I probably marinated on it uh, a couple more years. And then yeah. um, last year, so June of last year, I started working, I decided to self-publish. And I started working with a, a company here in the U.S. out of Arizona called 1106 yeah. Design, which is essentially a turnkey service for um, self-publishers. And so, you know, there are things that go into a book, like, you know, the cover, you know, there's some graphic design, there's the layout of the book, right? So I had the manuscript. I mean, I wrote every word of the manuscript, even though I had a ghostwriter for a period of time. Yeah. I never went that self-help angle or utilized kind of how, what he wrote or kind of what he had set up. So, I mean, I, I had the manuscript, but, you know, you still have to lay out the book. You still have to do kind of the, you know, there's the chapters where, you know, there's, you know, some graphics to begin each chapter, the cuts, the editing, you know, all that stuff, right? Because I was too close you, to it. You had to do, did you do that yourself or did you, did you get someone else to do that? Sorry. No, no, no. I'm saying that stuff, right? I didn't know how to do, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah, going to say, because I'll tell you what, that is a complete, oh God, I don't know how someone could actually figure out doing that. That's crazy. Right. And so you kind of need a pro for that, right? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, they helped me with all of that. Um, you know, help me through the process, um, you know, setting up things like the ISBN number mm. that identifies every book. Um, you know, it's cataloged with the, the Library of Congress here in the U.S. So, you know, all those sorts of things that go into a book that because I had never published a book before, I didn't know about and I recognized I needed help. So, you know, I engaged with them and, uh, um, you know, it's been a great ex experience. They're actually um, uh, right now helping me finish up um, my own site, uh, which will be going live in a few weeks, samunglo.com. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's available in hard copy, paperback, um, 
uh, uh, Kindle or soft copy. Um, so, uh, um, so yeah, so I, you know, all of that said, it was, it was a 10 year uh, journey that, um, you know, since I, um, you know, completed that part of the, the journey and now that it's been published, um, uh, it's kind of transformed into, well, how do I, you know, continue to amplify and give his story a voice? Because I want as yeah. many people to, you know, read about it and know about it. Um, and I've been really encouraged by, you know, the reviews I've been given and, you know, notes I've received um, where it's nice. Um, uh, yesterday morning I woke up and, uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting anything. And a, a guy I hadn't communicated with for 30 years wrote me this really nice note on Facebook and wow. said, um, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but, um, you know, I remember, you know, Michael and was really sorry to, you know, see all this and hear about it back in 2010 because he said he had seen it in the news. And um, I mean, I immediately recognized the name and I wrote him a note back and said, you know, I appreciate your support and your note. Um, and so, you know, there that dimension that we talked about where, um, you know, the, you feel like people are going to shun you or be mad at you for calling out the church, right? Yeah. Because there's still that element in the book. Yeah, they're still faithful um, to it and all that sort of stuff. And they're, well, I don't want to say brainwashed, but possibly. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, that's probably a good word. Yeah, I was, um, yeah okay, that's okay. I'm, I'm happy. We'll use that as a brainwash, that, because sometimes it is like that, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, none of that has happened. Uh, every oh, yeah. note I've been sent has been supportive. Um, uh, and so uh, now that said, uh, I will tell you, I, you know, I've tried to join some different discussion boards that are probably more you know, core mainstream Catholic and Ooh, you know, they went, that went down well, didn't it? Yeah. They wouldn't let me in. Um, so. <laughs> You're already blacklisted, Sam. That's it. Don't let Sam, this guy, uh, he's, he's, he's so, one of the, he's one of them. Well, so you know, no, cause I, you're one of them. Cause I, yeah, I'd maybe get in and make sort of a, you know, a, a neutral post, but then I'd try to kind yeah. of advertise the book and then I'd get kicked Just out. Leave again. That's it. Come <laughs> in, fuck shit up and leg it. That's the main thing. Put some doubt into their heads. <laughs> Crazy bastards. Have you had any have you had any repercussions from the church at all? No. Um, okay. You know, they not yet anyway. Uh, not yet. Um uh and you know, I probably don't expect to because um uh you know everything in the the main defense to any of that is is what in the book true, and it is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean the you know it's in the book, but I mean, I still have all the source documents and letters, you know, they're, um, so, uh, you know, it's not, if it was fabricated or something, then yeah, I mean, you libel or, um, you know, I guess defamation, but, um, uh, you know, I have one that it's factual and then two, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's it's kind of presumed to be true at this point, given right. everything that all the other cases of uh, abuse. Fantastic. Well, Sam, I can't believe it's um, that this is it's an amazing story what you've obviously told. And uh, so, so where where can people find the book? Um, the book uh, you can find several places: um, Amazon, of course, um, uh, Barnes and Noble. Um, uh, uh, you'll also be able to find it. Um, on uh, my site in a few weeks. Um, right. But if you, you know, my, 
My name is uh, unique uh, here in the U.S. Uh, uh, U-N-G-L-O. So if you if you Google whatever people's uh, kind of favorite, uh, you know, because there's some great independent bookseller sites too. That yeah, uh, because of how I published it, it's not only through Amazon. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, through a, an independent outlet where it's also available. Uh, right. to uh, the smaller booksellers. Uh, oh, fantastic. That's, uh, that's great. Well, and it is available, you know, it's available in the UK, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we'll put all the details and obviously when the podcast goes up. So, guys, if you listen in the description, you'll see all the details, you'll see all the website and uh, all the, uh, the bits and pieces to pick up. So go and pick it up. It's a great story. Um, Sam, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, you bet. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been an amazing story and uh, it's been a very, uh, obviously, traumatic time, but it's amazing that you've actually put Michael's book out there and you've you hopefully helped people to highlight the problem. It's an ongoing problem that is, uh, well, it seems bad to say that it's not being rectified soon, but if we highlight it more, hopefully people will start to kind of jump on and kind of um, do something about it. So I applaud you for doing so, sir. Thanks very much, Ryan. Yeah, the important thing is to, keep giving the, the topic a voice and, you know, never to rest until uh, uh, it's totally eradicated, which can't be soon enough. Fantastic. Again, Sam, thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan.